Well, welcome to the Deeper Dive podcast. Each week we take a deeper look at the text we covered in worship on Sunday, and we do that by discussing things like historical settings or literary contexts, the way others before us have read the text, and our reflective approach to reading that same text. This podcast is a part of Calvary's Daily Connection, a place where Calvary shares something new each day to help you grow in faith. So we hope you check that out through Calvary's app or by going to connectwithcalvary.org slash dailyconnection. Well, today on the podcast, a little bit different setup for us um, in terms of recording. We usually record this on uh, Monday, uh, Monday morning for a posting on Tuesday, but now it's Sunday afternoon. That's right after the third service. So the the energy level could be, who knows what it <laughs> higher, could be, right? Lower. It could be higher, could be lower, could be just the same, who knows? Mm-hmm. But uh, we're fresh fresh out of the service dealing with that text. So let's jump right into it and uh, and talk some more, go a little bit deeper in that text. One of the things that uh, I was actually thinking about a couple of things, uh, one was um, I did not get into the cost um, mm-hmm. of um, letting your light so shine. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was uh, particularly in my thoughts uh, and ponderings from the uh, Coptic Christians that were killed this week again in Egypt sure. because of their yeah. faith. Uh, I'm not sure that we understand what Coptic Christians are. That name, I think, throws some folks. Uh-huh. And it really, as I understand it anyway, is just uh, a word that says Egyptian Christians. Correct. They're yeah. Christians that are um, probably a, have a little bit bent towards maybe a Roman a Catholic uh, style of worship and presence, maybe a Greek Orthodox. Yeah. But they're, they're just brothers and sisters in Christ. Yeah. Uh, just like we are, and they have, uh, uh, for generations, been the uh, point of attack. Um, and again, it was brought this week. Not that, uh, again, brought by them, uh, by ISIS and all of that craziness, but it was brought because Ramadan started Friday, and uh, they they view that as the chance to make what I want to say points or other kind of statements yeah. other kinds of statements during that time but i watched and last time that the uh there was a group of them killed and i don't remember that's not been but about six weeks ago or maybe two months ago i read some of their responses and um in the midst of their family and friends being killed the light of christ and them shined through clearly they had words now they didn't have any sense, any less loss or any less sure. grief, but their words of forgiveness, um, their words of grace, uh, spoke volumes. I hope to the whole world. Uh, that then drew me even back a little deeper into um, our African American brothers and sisters and the churches that they were in that were burnt right. over a season, probably three or four years ago. Time gets away from me, but their responses to some of those kinds of things. And that is indeed where the light of Christ, the light of God, the church becomes light and hope to people, really plays itself out. But the reality is, because they are identified as the church of Jesus Christ. They, uh, um, they, in some places, they set themselves up um, to also become a target. So the light sometimes has a cost to it. Sometimes right. it's a pretty high cost to it. So. Yeah, because if you want to um, be safe um, in, in areas that are unsafe, you hide the light mm-hmm. so that you don't draw attention. And um, uh, these folks clearly did not hide their light. Praise God for that. Mm-hmm. And um, I wonder how many times we do that to be safe 
we just kind of put our lights on dim or or um, or turn them out in a lot less dangerous in a lot less dangerous life situations. and death situations. Yeah, yeah. 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 And as you so, were talking, as you were talking cost, I was thinking of of material costs in terms of of the biblical times and and uh, the oil that those uh, lamps needed and. <laughs> We sang um, this light of mine this morning. We could sing, give me oil in my lamp, but please let's not. Let's, no, please. Let's not go there. Um, but but oil was not cheap. I mean, it, I mean, that did cost something. Today, light, the physical light is just kind of a given. And um, in, in biblical days, it wasn't a given that, that there would be light. Um, and, and if someone else had it, um, then it was important for them to share that light. And I think we've missed that whole um, analogy in our society today. And, and I was thinking, even back to when I was a kid, um, there, there, weren't, um, there weren't as many churches around. Where I mean, I came from a small town, went to an, an open country church, and our church was the light. I mean, that's where you went for encouragement. There weren't any. There weren't a lot of other bright lights shining, saying, "Come see me, come see me, come see me." You know what I mean? Or I didn't notice them. But yeah. now, there are lights all over town, all over the place, saying, "Give me your attention. Give me your attention. Give me your attention." I think part of the uh, part of what I'm thrilled about what I see in the church, uh, in general, this is just a generalization, is that um, uh, the church has finally caught on that they need to be the light. I mean, for so long, folks came to church. It was an expected place to come. It was a community place to come. It was never challenged. Uh, and they didn't have to work at being light. Right. And I think we have to work at being light maybe harder today than, than we have certainly in the last 40 or 50 years. Um, and what how that changes and what that means differently than what it used to mean. And I'm I'm pretty excited about that, mm-hmm. um, and that really gives me hope that uh, we're going to be back on maybe a different track than we are mm-hmm. right now. Mm-hmm. I made a reference this morning on a book, and I do not have it because it, I didn't get a chance to order it. But it's a book by John Walker called Costly Grace. I mentioned that, but the subtext of that in is then is a contemporary view of Bonhoeffer, the cost of discipleship, mm-hmm. and. Um, the whole idea that uh, when we think of cost, we mostly think about uh, monetary cost, I'm afraid, in this country. Uh, but there is, there is a cost to discipleship. There is a cost to faithfulness. There is a cost to letting our light shine. Sometimes it's not got anything to do with money. It may have something to do with time. It may have something to do with uh, um, um, Energy. It it may have something to do with, uh, um, you know. Sometimes it may cost us friendships, which is sad, but that may cost us friendships. Mm-hmm. It may cost us uh, family relationships. Hopefully, hopefully, the light of Christ shines in us bright enough that that cost is not something we put on somebody else. Right. Um, but anyway, I just uh, I was. Uh, I was toying with the idea of getting into that a bit this morning, and I knew I would not nearly have enough time to be able to touch on that. So anyway, I just wanted to to lift that up because um, I think that's important. I I, uh, I remember the way that I was first taught by example to share Christ was that if you receive Christ, 
you won't have any problems and everything will be okay. And mm-hmm. We all know that that's not the case. I mean, there is no. there's a, a sense of reality. It can make a huge difference. Uh, but like, um, I forget where it was. I was, uh, oh, it was from uh, that devotional book, Jesus Calling. Sometimes the circumstances don't change. Mm-hmm. But the load of the burden will change when the light of Christ, when his very presence comes and partners with us in that. So anyway, uh, just to shift gears a minute, one of the other uh, phrases from Matthew that uh, struck me, and again, I, uh, I lifted it up, but I didn't, I didn't have time to go down that, that road, was um, the one about let your good deeds shine before men so that it might glorify God. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that... Um, that's a balancing act. Um, you know, we're taught not to brag about what we do. We're reminded of the widow's might where we put in what we put in, and it's, it's not making a show to anybody about it. But there are times when I think that um, good things are done, and, and they need to be clearly done in the name of Jesus, uh, rather than just done because of a person's general goodwill. And that's always kind of a balancing act, you know. When we do these um, huge food uh, preparation, mm-hmm. meal preparation things at Thanksgiving, and we did one, oh, what, just May? In May? Yeah. Um, my, I don't care if they know it came from Calvary Church, because that's immaterial, but I want them to know that that food came as a result of the difference of Christ and the, and the difference that Christ made in people's lives. And that sometimes, I think, is a hard thing to do. Well, we do the same thing with the backpack ministry. You know, try to, to make sure that they know. They don't have to know about Calvary, but we want them to, to know that, that God has provided this food. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. You look like you were going to say something. So I No, I was just going to say, you know, that, that, um, that text is a really, it's a really interesting way to phrase... Um, you know, that text in Matthew's gospel to say, you know, that they'll see your good works and glorify your father in mm-hmm. heaven. Um, and it's, it's almost, a, the, the tension I always have in that text is you can't, you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make them drink, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like you can, you can do something, but you can't make people glorify right. God, right. right? So you can tell them about it all you want to, but it's, it, again, it's this, do these things, let things happen as they happen. And, um, you know, it's a, it's a really, uh, that's why I think there's always that corrective, you know, as well on the other side of that, which is the, you know, the whole, um, go into a closet and pray. Well, there's that, but then also the, you know, the, the whole widow's might story Mm -hmm. where they're, Mm -hmm. they're coming and they're blowing their trumpets Mm -hmm. and, um, and, and Jesus said, they've, they've already received their reward Mm -hmm. in full. Like mm-hmm. they got what they were looking for. There's mm-hmm. more than that, but we're very quick to, <clears throat> you know, kind of uh, force the hand. Mm-hmm. I think sometimes, yeah. and that's that's unfortunate in that situation. I think we're missing some things, but that's a hard, that's a hard line to kind of. It walk, really is. I think. Yeah. Uh, especially, I think, in today's culture, where we are very, very quick to tell everyone every good thing we're doing but not tell everyone anything else. So when you look at oh, right. fa- when you look at Facebook, when you look at Twitter, when you look yeah. at Instagram, these all of these things are the best parts of your life. Mm-hmm. Right. And minus anything else. So we have a really warped kind of perception 
uh, of reality. And sometimes God gets folded into that, which I think it's, well, you know, it's kind of the flip side why I think people have a hard time dealing with suffering is because yeah. God is always associated with these, um, you know, moments of ecstasy. Right, right. Uh, it just gives a, a warped view. I mean, it... Um Life is still life. Absolutely. Whether you're a believer or not a believer, whatever you're believing in, life is yeah. still life. Yeah. Um, and like the young man in that uh, confirmation class, uh, I said, well, the Lord gives me a different perspective or he gives me a perspective onto what's going on that somehow mm-hmm. or another, uh, at least for me, is helpful to have a different perspective of things. I think about turning the light on and I... I, I was toying with the idea of having Eli find this commercial on television that we look at uh, where this guy walks down the hallway at night, he runs into the table in the dark, smacks his foot, <laughs> yes. yeah. goes to his fancy refrigerator, touches the door and the light comes on, gets what he wants, goes back down the same hallway, kicks the same table, and I'm mm-hmm. thinking, at what point is it turning on the light and what part is it just dumb? You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, we, you were talking about um, the difference um, it makes in our perspective. Um, this week, I had a, a, a night in which I had uh, I had tried to do too much during the day physically, and my knee was just giving me all kinds of grief, and I couldn't get rid of the pain. and And Randy was sitting on the couch with me, and I said, "Would you just pray for me? Would you just?" And yeah. I didn't expect that the pain would be gone when he was done praying, but I did expect right. that. Yeah, something would happen, and and it did. You know, I felt much more. The anxiety was taken away a little bit more. You know, and I was able to deal with the pain. Some of the heaviness was lifted. I think some of the the this is never going to get better. I'm going to live like this the rest of my life. Yeah. Um, Well, we don't know what that's going to hold, but some of that oppression gets so heavy sometimes Mm -hmm. that just knowing that God knows Mm -hmm. our name makes a difference. And that's why sometimes it's helpful for another Christian to be mm-hmm. there to shine their light when sure. you feel like yours is fading. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's really important. Um, yeah. You know, I, I think I've talked before about the time when I was in uh, Trenton and um, we had a tornado come through. And so most of the town, I think all of the town was out of power. And we were all counting on our flashlights and recognizing that when the batteries were gone, the light was gone. Right. And there was a huge, uh, just a huge attitudinal change there um, because, yeah, we could drive to Walmart and it, there was no Walmart in Trenton. We had to go a little ways to get to Walmart to get batteries. But, you know, the light wasn't automatic. Mm-hmm. We couldn't just flip a switch. Right. Um, and when we look around our world today, it's there are so many things saying, I'll fix it, I'll fix it, I'll be your God, I'll take care of it. Yeah. And, and sometimes the church, um, and I've been known to do this, um, tries to, to just make their light look different, try to make it look glitzier. I know we've had a thing around here where uh, people will say, we can have a circus and get as many people here as you want. You know, if that's what we want. No, that's not what we want. We want to be authentic. And um, we're not trying to, to be the um, uh, most colorful, glitziest light. We're trying to be the light of Christ. Sure. Well, we talked about, um, so light uh, being a, a metaphor that might not be 
quite as familiar to us today as, uh-huh. as mm-hmm. it was back then, uh, just because of its ubiquity yeah, um, and yeah. its, its numerousness for us. Um, can we talk about another metaphor that really didn't get into a lot, but uh, is also in this text, and it's probably lost, I think, on most people in the 21st century, and that's the, the metaphor of salt yes. and saltiness. So let's yes. talk about that for a little bit, because that, that needs, I think, some some explanation. Yeah. yeah. Well, I, I mean, if you didn't have salt in that day, you couldn't keep anything. I mean, that was um, uh, that was a preservative. Um, right. But it was also for the Roman soldiers, it was their wages. It was mm-hmm. yeah. of great value, and they were actually uh, more upset if they didn't get their salt than even if they didn't get their whatever the right. coinage happened to be of the right. day. Right. So salt is not, uh, we think of salt as just something that sits on your table mm-hmm. and that adds, uh, adds a little flavor, that makes those French fries at McDonald's uh, taste uh, addictively delicious, <laughs> right? But that's yeah. that's the smallest part of salt uh, yeah, in really the ancient is. world. So Debbie talked about it as a preservative. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, there's no refrigeration. There's mm-hmm. no way to keep meat, right? Um, or whether it's fish or whether it's uh, um, you know beef or poultry, anything like that. Um, they really needed salt for survival, mm-hmm. and salt came not just in a um, like, you know, in a package, like mm-hmm. you would think, but it was kind of mixed in with some other uh, kinds of um, materials. And so when it talks about losing its saltiness, you would still see the, you know, the byproduct of the salt, but you it, it wouldn't work. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. there's this, you know, this again, this connotation of, yeah, you might look like this, but you're not really doing something. So mm-hmm. that's a... That's uh, something that's really hard, I think, for us to understand. It's one of those biblical metaphors that's really rooted in a different kind of culture. Mm-hmm. And, um, and we lose that, yeah. We do, yeah, if we don't uh, study that, yeah. You know, and I, and I think about uh, what causes a church uh, to lose its light? Mm-hmm. What causes a church to lose its saltiness or lose its mm-hmm. edge yeah. uh, for Christ? Right. Um, and that's the that's really... Um, what Jesus was talking about in many ways, he was talking the value of being salt, the value of that taste, the value of that uh, uh, preservative, the value of that witness, that testimony, that living your life out in the light of his life and his grace. Um, And when a church loses its saltiness, it loses its outward mission. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. It may it may have some of its flavor left inwardly, but it has lost its it's, it's lost its value. If we, if we've lost sight of this world thing, sharing our faith to others, uh, in many ways, uh, Jesus said, "I came to seek and to save those who are lost." Um, it's not an occasional momentary passing thing, but it's the end of what we're doing and what we're called to be as the church. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if we lose that, um, and you can lose that in lots of ways. I've seen lots of churches that had wonderful people in it, nice people in mm-hmm. it, yeah. even godly people in it. But their interest was not in anybody but the little group they were in. And uh, they would have been offended if I said you lost your salt. But the mm-hmm. truth is, they lost their salt. Yeah. They lost that vision. They lost that passion to somehow um, be something different than they were just on their own and just by themselves. 
And yeah. and that's a danger in the large church too. I mean, we can also lose our vision and and look inward and think it's all about the flavor. It's all about us uh, uh, feeling better, feeling good about ourselves, um, and forget the the tough mission that is before us. And so, I think we always have to look at that. Yeah. Well, these two. I mean, these two metaphors that Jesus mm-hmm. uses are not self referential metaphors. They don't point back to no. uh, the metaphor itself. I mean, they are light is there to show you something else. Mm-hmm. The church is there to show you something else. Salt is there to preserve uh, something other than itself. Mm-hmm. And so it is with the church. I mean, it is a, uh, it, it's pretty clear, I think. I mean, mm-hmm. as clear as a metaphor can be, you know, yeah, absolutely. Uh, not to be too, too stringent with it, but uh, it very much operates not for its own sake. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's a hard thing, I think, when you've been in the church for a long time, uh, you see preservation as preservation of your yourself, your right. ideas, your programs, your uh, group of people. And um, that's when you lose your saltiness. That's mm-hmm. not uh, preserving. Uh, like and and I would even throw out your yeah. favorite things that oh, we quit sure. doing that we don't do anymore. And you say, why don't we do that anymore? And we say, well, why did we do that to begin with? Well, because I liked it. Hmm. You know what I mean? We have to kind of yeah. look at that in a, yeah. in a hard way. Um, I think about I think about when I first became a Christian and other people when they first accepted Christ and so passionate and and um, so excited. And, and I know so many parents whose kids have come to them and said, you're not a Christian. You know, you don't, you know, because that edge of a new believer is is just uh, talk about your spiritual sword being sharp. Mm-hmm. Um, it. it it may be a little immature, but it's uh, it's certainly uh, on fire. And uh, in some cases, I, I went to my parents, you know, and we're like, you know, I don't think I ever said, are you a Christian? Because I knew better. Um, I knew they were Christians, <laughs> but, I, <laughs> but I wasn't quite sure they were as Christian as me, you know? Um, and oh, sure. and I, rem- <laughs> I remember kind of challenging them on that and my mom kind of rolling her eyes and thinking, I've been here before. Um, and... And what I thought was that mom and dad had just gotten into a rut, and their uh, their light had gone out. I mean, I couldn't have put those kinds of words on it, but that now I look back and think that's what was going, that's what was happening in my little immature mind, you know, sure. um, that their light had gone out. They still believed in Christ, but they needed me to light that fire again within them. Of course. You know, of course they did. Yeah. Uh, I'll bet you lit several fires within them. <laughs> I was a good girl. Um, so, you know, but, but there, is, I mean, there is that danger of us church people um, who were so excited about Christ and came to it for that reason. Mm-hmm. There is that danger of just becoming dull in doing what we're doing. Sure. Lulling ourselves to sleep. Um, and again, that's why we need each other, to remind each other mm-hmm. of why we're there. We may not need some little girl like I was saying, you've lost your flavor, but um, to just to just be there for each other and, and, and be that light and be that mirror. Um, so, yeah, I think that's... Were you playing your flute when you were prophesying about you've lost your flavor? <laughs> Let's leave the flute out of this, thank you. Okay. And no, I don't think I was. Okay. That might have been pre-flute days, I'm not okay. sure. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I was just you know to kind of bring this full circle to the to the beginning. Um, 
you know, the, the Coptic Christians, mm-hmm. uh, the, really the beginning of the Coptic church is these desert, uh, desert monks mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that felt like uh, the institutional church had kind of lost its saltiness. And so they went out into the, into the desert mm-hmm. to do what we would consider the most boring of Christian practices and became some of the most devout. And, um, you know, their line continues through the Coptic church. Uh, today, so it's it's funny, uh, you know. Yeah. I think uh, in terms of uh, everybody, uh, everybody looking around and going, "You have it, you don't have it. Right. I have it, I don't have it." Uh, history is full of the the back and forth of those, and uh, it's great to see that continuation uh, even today when our brothers and sisters in Egypt are having a hard time, but they've been there before. Right. You know, right. in some ways. So that's pretty cool. Oh, let's just continue to lift them all up in prayer and all churches that suffer, all people who suffer. Yep. All right. Well, the music's fading up and our time is up. So, (laughs) so here we are. Um, we're glad that you've been listening today and we'd love to keep the discussion uh, going with you. If you have questions or if you have comments, uh, you can do that by following the link in the Calvary app. Or if you're listening on the web, you'll find comments at the bottom of the page. Or if you're listening in a podcast app, you can follow the link uh, in that app or head to connectwithcalvary.org slash daily connection. And next week, we'll be back with a deeper dive into the beginning of the book of Jonah. And until then, grace and peace. Mm-hmm.